Hi there, I'm Alison McCarville and you're listening to Dramatic Dublin on 93.9 Dublin South FM. Today I'm going to be interviewing Mahan McCann, playwright, philosopher, boxing coach and podcaster extraordinaire. And I'll be reviewing his play, Waiting for the Offo as well. So do stay tuned for more Dramatic Dublin. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. Have you ever been to a party where you party all night, the morning arrives, you want to leave, get a breakfast roll, go home, fall into bed and sleep for a week? But then there's that one person that just will not let the party die. In Waiting for the Offo, this determined partier, who I can only describe as a sesh gremlin, is Niall Freeman. Overjoyed that his best friend has returned from his Erasmus year in Germany and determined to make the most of their first night back together. Terry, on the other hand, seems to have grown wiser during his time abroad and tries to discourage his friend from continuing the session. It's just the two of them. They already drank all the booze and it's not even 8am so the off licence won't be open for ages. Enter some class A's. Very impressive skills of persuasion deep conversation about life, purposelessness, lack of direction, interrupted by the distinct sensation that there's something in the couch. Enter the love of Terry's life. This play has it all except booze. There's friendship, attempts at romance, crazed drug dealers, not to mention the aforementioned deep existential conversations about life, direction, etc., followed by the brutal realisation that it's Sunday, so the off-licence doesn't open till 12. Inspired by Samuel Beckett's Waiting for Godot, Mahan McCann gives the idea a fun modern twist while maintaining the existential philosophical nature of the play. In fact, philosophy is referenced on a number of occasions during the play, perhaps some sort of subtle reference to the playwright Mahan McCann's PhD in philosophy. An interesting play, at times fun and hilarious, at others thoughtful. I certainly left the theatre thinking about life, surprised, and to be honest, a little bit gleeful when I passed an open off licence. Don't worry, I didn't stop. This is a great play. I really, really enjoyed it. And certainly an interesting way to introduce a person who might not think that they're necessarily a theatre goer into the world of theatre because there really is a play out there to suit everybody's taste. It doesn't have to be My Fair Lady or Oliver or Waiting for Godot itself. There's something to suit you out there. I promise. You just have to find the right one and Waiting for the Offo is a great place to start. It's great fun and it's probably something you can relate to. Unfortunately, this run is finished but it was completely sold out anyway so you wouldn't have been able to go. Given that it completely sold out from the very beginning, I'm sure it will be back again soon to satisfy those people who were unable to get tickets this time. Broadcasting to South Dublin on 93.9. This is Dublin South FM. I'm Alison McCarville and you're listening to Dramatic Dublin on 93.9 Dublin South FM. Today I'm going to be interviewing Mahan McCann, playwright, philosopher, boxing coach and podcaster extraordinaire. How do you find the time to 
be a playwright, philosopher, boxer, coach? I uh, quit drinking, um, which really freed up my uh, weekends mostly. Best um, time waiting around for that offo, is it? 100%. When you're not waiting on the offo, you can really get a lot done most weeks. But the thing about it is, when you, if, if, you, if you're sensible whilst waiting for the offo, you can get some cleaning done. Yeah, especially if you've been up all night and you're yeah. feeling motivated. There's some things you can take to help motivate you. This podcast you can listen to for motivation. Yeah. yeah Speaking well. of which, you 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 run a podcast as well. On top of this, so so you're a philosopher, podcaster, boxing coach, playwright, and yet you say you 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 claim you haven't found an extra day a week, which I am suspicious about. I'm pretty sure you must. Yeah, have. I mean, when you say it like that, it sounds very impressive, but I uh, a lot of the time I'm. Just, you know, trying to get stuff done, finish the old to-do list um, and trying not to procrastinate as much as possible. The story of everyone's life. Yeah, it does. Doesn't matter what you do. Sometimes it pays off, but most of the time uh, it's just lots of work, unfortunately. I'm doing a PhD, so that kind of helps in terms of that's my job every day and then I can do the writing and the training and stuff around that. I kind of build my own schedule. Stop. PhD as well. Well, that's this the is philosophy. Not, so I know. But yeah. And what's your philosophy towards overworking yourself? Uh, I will have done that several times. Uh, try not to do that anymore because it's very possible, especially with the internet. Like if you're a content creator and you're doing social media or like podcasts and essays and stuff, very easy to just run yourself into the ground. So I learned that lesson quite recently. Um, just try to prioritize and make sure I'm doing the right stuff and not just, you know, everything. Yeah, and I think with the play as well, it's something that was an ambition of mine to get people off the social, off the digital world and having a human experience with other people in a room together, um, which I think is something theatre can offer these days. It presents so many different varieties of human life, of human experience on stage, and it's tangible. You can technically reach and touch it, not advised, but... You can see it happening in front of you. It's not something that it's never. You see a performance; it's never going to happen again, yep. because the, the, it's never going to be the same audience with a, say, the same thing happening on stage. Whether it could be something as simple as like someone moving a chair differently, and then someone missing their cue because the chair wasn't in the same place it normally is. Yeah, you're flying without a net, I think, which is pretty cool in theatre, like because it's not pre-recorded, and even like in terms of watching Netflix or something, you know, you can pause it. You're on your phone, you're watching the TV, you're, you know, ordering something on delivery, whatever it is. Make a cup of tea while the TV is on pause. Yeah. But you're just like... Our attention split between so many things. But in a theatre, like, you're just focused on one thing. But because it's, because it's live, it, 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 it absorbs you into what the world mm. that, that's being performed on stage. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, that's how I find it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I actually yeah. felt like I was a student again when I went to see Waiting for the Awful on Wednesday. It was, it was, it was intense. Yeah, there's a few people saying it's quite close to the bone, all right. Oh, yeah. Alarmingly so. I was a bit traumatised. But in a good way, in, in the best way possible. But, like, mm-hmm. just those moments where you wake up somewhere and just went like, where was I? So, the play Waiting for the Offo. Can you tell me a little bit about what inspired you and what what brought about writing a play you study creative writing in the University of Queens in Belfast. Yeah. But what 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 brought you to write to go into playwriting as opposed to any other aspect of creative writing? So I never wrote a play before this, like at all. Never. I probably only seen like a handful of plays in school and stuff. Like I was never like a theater kind of person at all. Um 
and it was an assignment for our craft and technique place with um, Belfast playwright Jimmy McAlevey. So Jimmy, we had to read uh, Waiting for Otto as part of it and then nice. write something about it. And I was outrageously hung over one morning on a Sunday trying to read Waiting for Gatto, <laughs> oh, uh, no. which is very difficult. Um, but it just... Wouldn't recommend. Yeah, it just reminded me of the session and all the sessions that I'd had in Dublin of uh, just at really late at night where people are just saying whatever pops into their head. It's just this endless kind of circling around of jokes and then the joke dies down and you get terrified and then you find another joke and you keep going. And... I was at first I was going to be like waiting for pizza or something like they'd order pizza and then there was they were whatever they were doing in the meantime but then I remembered several occasions of waiting for the off license to open and it just seemed to fit um the fear the terror the, the true existential horror the fear of the morning after is just not okay no no very much and so that's it it was kind of like it made sense and it was fun to write as well. Like I only wrote it for my own entertainment at the time, really, and it was like a twenty-five page script. Um, Jimmy gave me the highest mark in the class as well, which encouraged me. I don't know if it was because I was giving him cigars as well, but the bribery worked. So bribery is it's it's okay. It sometimes it gets you. Yeah, I mean, it, if it brings if it brings a play like waiting to, waiting for the offer onto the stage, then worth it. 100%. We can justify it. And that was in 2018. So then we, I met um, Conan MacIver and Michael J. Daly as part of that um, Masters in 2018 who run Bosco Productions. And Conan MacIver directed it, did not? Yes. Yeah, Conan is the director and Michael's the creative consultant. Who So together then we shaped it for the Fringe Festival, got into the Fringe Festival. That was obviously cancelled for the pandemic. And then we've been trying to do it ever since. Uh, it was supposed to be on in Belfast in the Mac. Um, that didn't happen because of budget stuff. Then eventually um, we were looking at the new theatre. Anthony accepted us there. So we had our first show scheduled for this year, which was uh, after basically five years after writing it for the first time. Well, was it worth the wait? Yes, yeah, and I, the the irony of waiting for a play that's about waiting mostly uh, wasn't exactly. lost on me. But yeah, it was because it it was completed. You know, it it went through so many iterations of writing and changing things that it was actually worth waiting for it to be to feel like it's complete, so we could actually do it. Please, please tell me you had a beverage to celebrate. Nice well, can of Dutch. I quit drinking, so I actually didn't. No. Oh dear. I haven't drank now. That for... was zero zero. Yeah, I've had lots of zero zeros, probably too many. Heineken zeros, Guinness zeros, a bit more. I've heard Guinness zero is quite decent. I, it I don't, is nice. I yeah. don't drink Guinness or is it Guinness zero, so I wouldn't really know. But I've yeah. heard. Yeah. No, it is. It's a good through the grain vine. Good, good simulation of a, a real stout. But yeah, no, it's been uh, very enjoyable to be honest. Like we only had two weeks of rehearsals, so it was a very short time, and then one day of tech essentially to put together a show, which is very tech heavy with a lot of projection and AV and sound design and lighting so really was a team effort to just pull together the production in such a short space of time well they nailed it they really did um, really nailed it I mean you yeah. would never know that it was put together in a short time and that yeah. one day tech one day yeah for really a show like that you would need three to be honest right. uh, to jump out of a couch yeah yeah. with people sitting them. on it yeah 
couch. A lot of choreography in that particular bit. Even just getting a couch, you know, it's not easy for to find those types of things. Yeah, you're dead right, actually, because the original, the four characters were based on the four characters from Gatto as well, but in a Dublin context, I suppose. But and I'd say if if they, if they'd found something other than Sherry, they oh. probably would have been what are we reverent towards it? They would have started worshiping any kind of liquor that was in the house at the time. They would have to like build little clear little space on the table, like a like a special altar, a little shrine maybe for the for the drink. It is. It's truly a, a terrible time of the morning, to be honest. Like, I did my research for the the writing of this anyway, with many years of excessive drinking and staying out for too long, which it was that... not good for me. So, tell me more about waiting for the offo. Um, how did you cast it? So the director, Conor McIver, Killian Lenehan, um, who's the plays Terry, the main character, was involved from the Fringe Festival application first of all um, Killian's just an amazing actor like he's, well, he's just one, he was fantastic he's in it. like so so perfect for it as well in terms of just his physicality and just the crack and just being such a brilliant energy on stage that um, mm. thankfully he stuck with us the whole time despite the cancellations and everything and then we had Liam Bigsby and um, Terry O'Neill and Hazel Clifford all came on basically for this run um we cast a couple of months ago. Um, may, I mean, we're blessed. Like they're they're all such brilliant actors, and they work so well together as well. Like it's just their chemistry on and off the stage is so good that it really yeah. holds the whole thing together. I think. And they really they really play their characters so perfectly. They each yeah. each actor play was like perfect for their character. Yeah, I mean, some of them were reading the character bios going like, is this written about me? I was like, no, I it's, didn't, I don't know. Like you, you can imagine <laughs> behaving like that off stage as well. I know, it was a bit of a stretch for them, you know, to play, you know, swilling yeah. art, arts graduates. Um, but yeah. they've adapted very well. Um, is Connor MacGyver, um, was he was he a graduate of um, the same college as... Um, so Conan is a... Uh, Valier. Um, no, no, uh, Killian... Yeah, Killian Hazel and Liam all went to the Lear. I don't think Terry went to the Lear, but yeah, they were all in in various different different years in the Lear. But I believe um, that Liam graduated before one one of them graduated before the other one. I can't remember. Yeah, no, Killian. I think Killian graduated before Liam did. Yeah, um, Liam's a bit younger, and Hazel. I'm not sure if Hazel was before or after Killian actually. I'd say she was before, just before possibly, yeah. But I think so. I think so. I was, I was yeah. doing my research, before, yeah, yeah, for the review. I mean, the Lear is just like producing phenomenal actors. To be honest, like they're so good. Like I've, I've seen a good few shows that had actors that were produced from the Lear. Mm. But um, so it was a fantastic show. Thank you. And um, heavily inspired by Waiting for Godot, I believe. Yeah, there's a lot of references to Waiting for Gatto. I mean, you don't have to have seen or know Waiting for Gatto to watch it, I think. That was kind of the aim. Oh, no, no, you don't. But I just, I, I noticed the, but yes, the, there is the, certainly. The, the similarities. And yeah, the... yeah, definitely. And we wanted to appeal to people that don't usually go to the theatre, in a sense. And that's something with the new theatre. They've really noticed that we're bringing a lot of people to the theatre that wouldn't typically go. This might be, you know, the first play they've gone to see in a very long time. Because I think theatre has something to offer now that the digital world doesn't. And yeah, I think a plays need to, be, need to be made more that people 
that are more enjoyable for it. Because, I mean, there's a lot of plays are quite, you know, they're designed with the theatre audience in mind, necessarily. Yeah, a cert- there's, a certain, there's a certain type who go to theatre. Yeah, and it's expensive and it's, you know, and I'm, I'm not dissing those things. I mean, there's really great plays and great playhouses going on and great artists. Um, but that's just what I want to do with my work is to appeal to people that aren't typically in the theatre to bring them in. As a play like Waiting for the Office is certainly going to reel in an interesting crowd. Yeah, the poster as well, I think. Yeah, oh, the, absolutely. The, the poster is fantastic. Very well. Um, the facial expressions are wonderful. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that when I set up my, my programme, I wanted to support smaller theatres and smaller uh, theatre companies. Yep. Because, I mean, you have the gate and you have the Abbey, you have this, the bigger theatre companies that are support, very heavily supported by the Arts Council. Mm-hmm. And then you have the smaller theatre companies that are putting out shows like Waiting for the Offo mm. and shows that would appeal to people who aren't what you would call the typical theatre goer. Mm-hmm. And I want to support those theatre companies and those theatres because... They don't have the money to put an advertisement on the side of a bus or the, or the back of a bin Definitely. in the city centre. Yeah. Mm. And I want to spread the word about those those shows because there is something in the theatre for everybody. They just need to know about it. Yep. If they don't know, they won't go. 100%. And, and if they don't feel that connection to it or feel like they're welcome as well, in a sense, some people I'm sure feel like, you know, oh, this is going to be too highbrow for me or it's something that, you know... I'm not going to fit in there, especially for a lot of young lads I know who'd be like, oh, the theatre, like, I don't really, you know. They'd be embarrassed to go because they don't want to be to seen as, as, as a this or a that. Or yeah, a, exactly. One or the other. So creating some space for that. And I think everybody, like, the session and nightlife culture in Dublin is such a huge thing, like, that it's something that's very relatable for a lot of younger people who've lived in those type of situations and parties and they they understand the the culture that they're in. So it's... Yeah, it's something I haven't seen represented much in yeah. on stage in Dublin yet. It was obvious that the play was written from experience. The person who wrote it knew what they were talking about. Actually, I just guessed. I've never, no, I'm not messing. <laughs> never, no, butter I, wouldn't melt in your mouth. I can see that. It's very true. I have, uh, yes, I did my, my 10 years of method writing before I quit drinking. So I definitely ah. know the ins and outs. Stanislavski, yeah. Yes, that was the method <laughs> that I was employing at the time. But thankfully it wasn't wasted because I got this play out of it, which is pretty good. And how are you dealing with the trauma? Um, uh, yeah, so far pretty good. Like, Oh, that's good. I'm delighted to hear that. I'm struggling a little bit <laughs> with my post-college years. Yeah, I mean, that's the big theme of the play, leaving college and ending up kind of stuck. I think I'll be okay someday. Yeah, yeah maybe. sure. So it was a great show and it was just very interesting to see such an interesting take on the idea of Waiting for Godot because, I mean, Waiting for Godot is a great play but it is very, very made for, as you say, theatre goers. That ilk of person who goes to theatre. And to bring it forward into a modern era and creative version of it that is for a younger, maybe different section of theatre goers that wouldn't necessarily consider themselves theatre goers but then if they attended that show might find themselves looking at show, looking up what's going on. See, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. I think I'm going to go to the theatre again, see see what else is on. Yep. Because if, if if things like that go on in theatre, then, then theatre isn't what I thought it was. It's not just, mm. it's not just musical, it's not just Oliver and yep. Annie Get Your Gun. And there's more to it than I thought. Yeah, yeah. It's giving that realisation to people that theatre is more... And there is literally something for everybody on stage. 
Yeah. You just have to open them eyes. Yeah, and it's real people, real time connecting together and usually you go out afterwards and people talk to each other and... Face-to-face, you know, folks. Face-to-face it's for human real. contact. IRL. Yep, yep. And like no the, and I've often found myself in, in the theatre and, and the actors and, and making eye contact with the actors on stage and it just... It's so intense. It's amazing. Like, it just yeah. changes. It's like, you're never going to make eye contact with someone on a screen. No, the emotions as well, I think, are just, they're in the room. Like, you know, everybody's feeling them. And when it's really going, you can get a real it's sense tangible. of you're inhabiting all this experience together. And that is... You can uh, taste it. Yeah, it's it's incredible, really. Um, and that's what we've hoped to do with this production as much as we can, really. Just to reassure you, you cannot taste the Dutch gold. No, you don't it's have okay. to. You can... Drink it afterwards. You can, but you don't have to. There is no pressure to do so. It's true. Yep. I didn't drink any Dutch gold during the making of this production. Uh, No doubt it'll be back because it's a great show. It completely sold out, so more people are going to want to see it who couldn't get tickets for this one. So obviously keep yourself very busy with all of your many, many endeavours. What do you have coming up over the next while? Are you going to write any more plays? Yeah, I mean, I'm working on another play at the moment um, that's maybe, that's not session-based, thankfully. <laughs> that's a version of the uh, myth of Oedipus set in Dublin in, like, the Dublin tech industry with essentially, like, a billionaire CEO of a Facebook, Google type thing. Um, kind of working with, like, AI and, you know, human hubris and our attempts to Ooh, kind of... That sounds amazing. ...create super intelligent life forms and how that might work and how it might not. Um, so that's kind of what I'm playing around with at the moment. So which will be, be a bigger bigger show, I think. Um, yeah, so it'll be writing sessions only as opposed to any other type of session. Yes, yeah, only writing sessions. And then obviously doing the PhD and um, training and... Coaching. Coaching, yeah, certainly. And yeah. Podcasting. Podcasting and the essays. I mean, yeah, if people are interested, I have a Substack. Um just man.mccann.com where blog. I have yeah literally essays and podcasts and mainly around the topics of uh, wisdom philosophy finding meaning in life and a lot of the classical philosophers for the modern world uh, and and have you found it? yeah 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 I mean meaning in life is there's ways there's good research on meaning in life now meaning is essentially a flow state that you get into where you're even like this conversation where we're very Focused on the conversation, we're not thinking in our heads or self-reflecting. Yeah, check it out on Substack if you're if you're interested in all that stuff. And you can get your podcast. I know you can get your podcast on Spotify. Can you get it on any other? Yeah, I have a YouTube channel as well, so I put okay. up the videos of the podcast on YouTube. So just search Mahan McCann. For sure. Yeah, yeah, you'll just get it on yeah. anything, and you'll Actually, find anywhere, and you'll you'll find the stuff. Look up the encyclopedia. Find Mahan McCann in there. But listen, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been great chatting to you and I look forward to seeing your next play. Thank you so much, Alison. Keep me posted on when it's coming out. I certainly will, yeah, yeah. Hopefully we can have another chat. Yeah, I look forward to it. Awesome. Thanks again.
sister Let me put you in the picture. Let me show you what I mean. The Messiah is my sister. Ain't no king, man, she's my queen. Let me put you in the picture. Let me show you what I mean. The Messiah is my sister. Ain't no king, man, she's my queen. Let me put you in the picture.